guys. Thank you, Deb. I want to be that man too. Go ahead and get in your Bible if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. You know, the good thing, a lot of good things about being a Christian. One of the things I've always liked about being a Christian is that somebody who wants to, anybody who wants to, can be a faithful follower of Jesus. Not everybody's going to be rich. Not everybody's going to be a great athlete. Not everybody's going to have all kinds of charisma. uh, But every Christian can be a faithful follower of Jesus. You can be a faithful mom. You can be a faithful dad. and, And I just love that. Amen? I love that. We are nearing the end of our Sunday evening series on uh, rightful authority, how to use it, how to follow it. And uh, after tonight, uh, at least the Lord willing, I have two more messages on this. And then, unless the Lord changes my heart, we'll uh, go through the book of 2 Timothy uh, verse by verse. And I kind of like changing things up like that. And so I'll pray for me that I'd follow the Lord and all of that. And uh, because understanding rightful authority, following rightful authority, using authority uh, well, they are part of living a life that God blesses. And I want to live a life that God blesses. Amen? Uh, Last Sunday night, we spent our time making application of the strong biblical terms that describe a husband-wife relationship. And tonight, I want to make application of the strong biblical terms that describe a parent-child relationship. Now, I realize that there are some here you don't have any children, and there are others here that your children are grown and and out of the house, and all I would ask that if it doesn't directly impact you today would be to simply remember that in the future, either for yourself or for people in the circle of your life who come to you, uh, these thoughts, I think, will help you be able to be a help uh, to them. You know, some of the worst regrets that anyone ever lives with is looking back and knowing that you didn't handle your children well. And second to that probably would be looking back and knowing that you really caused your parents all kinds of grief. Man, I am ashamed at all the grief I caused my mother. Oh my, Uh, unbelievable. And uh, to this day, I'm ashamed of it. And it's been a long time ago. Uh, It's so much better to simply learn what God's plan is for the home and the parent-child relationship and just decide to fill it so that you don't ever have to look back with any regrets. What I plan to do tonight is very similar to what we did last week. I want to read some scriptures that are related to the parent-child relationship. I want to pick out some words and some phrases that God chooses to describe this relationship. And then I want to just kind of circle around and then just practically talk about some ways we can apply those strong terms. Now, if you're here and you happen to be going through the parenting by the book class that I'm teaching now, uh, you know, some of this material is in some way related to things we've talked about in there, some even recently, but I really couldn't do a Sunday evening service on authority and, and not pause and talk about some of the details uh, and practical applications uh, for parenting and children's relationship. Uh, All of us, we will remain the children of our parents regardless of how old we are. Uh, My mom turned 81 in June. My dad turned uh, 81 this past February. I'm fortunate they're both alive. 
to this day, they're still my mom and dad. And I'm still their son. Never changes. Saying, if you would, in honor of the Word of God, tell my thought tonight is parents and children. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Thank you, might be seated. In this particular section of the scripture, we read some very strong terms that describe the parent child relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. In fact, in this scripture, we get insight into uh, parenting and parenting parental discipline in particular in how our Heavenly Father deals with us. There is no better example of a loving father. If you are looking to uh, model how you handle your children, uh, whether they're in your home or out of your home, the best example you can look to is God our Father. There is no better parent than He. Uh, God loves His children. Uh, He loves His children so much He died for His children. Notice the strong words in verse 6 that relate to every son whom He receiveth. The Lord loveth. That's a strong word. He chasteneth. That's a strong word. He scourgeth. That's also a strong word. Notice in verse 11 that Chastening, it says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. That's a strong word also. God picks strong words to describe His interaction with His children who choose to disobey Him. Now those words are not the same as abuse, they are not the same as beating, uh, but they are strong words. By the way, it is obvious that it is a false and inferior kind of love to the love of God when someone has in their mind or tells someone else, well, I don't discipline my children because I love them too much. Uh, That is not God's kind of love. In fact, the wise man, Solomon, was very clear in Proverbs 13, 24. He said, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth, loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And that word betimes just means early. In fact, the Scriptures teach that to fail to discipline our children is actually an evidence of hatred rather than love. Now, I'm not implying that it's an easy thing to properly discipline your children because it's a difficult thing. And for anybody who's never tried that, you might want to keep your opinions to yourself till you've tried it. Uh, it's not an easy thing. In fact, one of the evidences that our salvation is genuine is the chastening of our loving Father. In verse 7, he says, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For whose son, what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? See, God does not handle the behavior and attitude of those who are saved in the same manner that He handles the behavior and attitude of those who are not saved. It might not be something we like, but God has higher expectations from you and I as believers in His dear Son, as sons of God, than He has of those who walk around in our culture and make no claim to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If anybody claims to be saved and they just, quote, live happily ever after in willful defiance of God, mark it down, they are not saved. Because God scourges every son whom He receiveth. In fact, that's what He said in verse 8, and I don't recommend this word in casual conversation. It just means having no father. It says in verse 8, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. No, idly pa- no loving parent just sits idly by and watches their child head toward a busy street. Carelessly play with fire. Reach out toward a hot stove. Every loving parent sees what their child does not see. They see the pain and the destruction that holds, that is in the future by those things and they immediately reach out and stop that child in their tracks. The child doesn't understand and understand that sin, wherever it is found, always brings forth death. And God who loves His children and doesn't want our future to be compromised and painful always reaches out to His children to stop us from our sins before it brings even more pain and death. He disciplines His children. And God has any and every means at His disposal to get the attention of His children to attempt to modify our behavior, our attitudes, or our heart. The most grievous means are only used by Him as a last resort. Do you know what God prefers? He prefers the same thing every parent prefers. That you would just be able to speak to your child, please stop that. Please do this. Please don't do that. And have them respond. That's what He prefers. But understand that when we will not listen to the voice of His Spirit and we will not listen to His words that have been written down for us, that God, because He loves us, reaches down and takes more extreme measures to attempt to get our attention. If you're here tonight and you're living a life that is willfully defiant of God instead of sincerely trying to obey and follow Him and seeking His daily cleansing for your shortcomings and failures and claiming His grace, you need to change directions. It is so much better to humble ourselves than to be humbled. To judge ourselves and to fix things rather than to leave them go and end up being judged and chastened by our loving Father the point I'm simply making tonight from this particular section of the Scriptures is that God has some strong words that He chooses to describe His relationship with us. Loveth, chasteneth, scourgeth, grievous. Very strong words. And it should be no surprise that equally strong words and phrases are selected by God to describe our own parent-child relationships. Go back, please, in your Bible, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at some strong words that he uses here, again, in the parent-child relationship. And that was really good. I... I thought I stuck a marker in my Bible, and I didn't. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, says this, Children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long in the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Notice the strong word that God begins with in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Boy, it's a four-letter word and we hate it. But yet it is a word that God chooses to describe a children, a child's interaction with their own parents. To obey means to fulfill a commandment or instruction to comply with. And children are to obey their own parents as long as you're in their home. And this is a command specifically to children. has nothing to do with children obeying all adults. That was an American cultural tradition. The Bible does teach that children ought to respect their elders, and particularly those who are elderly, but respect and honor are different from obey. I hope every person living under the roof of your parents, whether you're here or 5 or 15 or 20, I hope that your relationship with them while you're under their roof is characterized by that simple four-letter word, obey. And when you don't want that kind of relationship with your parents, move out. Because God has a different word to characterize your relationship with them at that point. It's in verse 2, he says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And here Paul quotes the fifth of the Ten Commandments, the only one of the Ten Commandments that is strictly positive. Uh, Eight of them are all negative. One of them about the Sabbath is positive and negative. And this is the only one of the Ten Commandments that is strictly positive. And God attaches a promise with that positive commandment, honor your father and mother because it will affect how long you live. Now, if I were to ask you to lift your hand, if you would like to have a short life, there would be no hands that go up. Every one of us simply desires to live as long as God would allow us to live. And one of the things that will uh, certainly shorten your lifespan and mine is to dishonor our parents. Now, this is not a promise to live to old age. It's a promise that we will always live longer if we honor our parents than we ever will if we dishonor them. Honor is a strong word. It means to have high respect for, to give a good name, to give glory, recognition, distinction. And every child are charged by God to honor their parents as long as their parents are alive. Uh, That means I'm supposed to honor my parents. Now that means different things for all of us. My parents happen to be 200 plus miles away, but as best as I am able, from 200 miles where God has placed me, I need to honor my father and my mother. Let me ask you, if you are living under the roof of your parents, does obedience characterize the way you interact with them? So, Brother Wally, I'm 18. Wow, that's impressive. You've made it 18 years, your parents didn't kill you yet. Obey your parents or move out. I'm not implying parents ought to treat an 18-year-old like a 5-year-old. I'm just asking you if you live under your parents' care, does obedience characterize your interaction with them? And if your parents are still living and you're out on your own, does honor characterize 
the way you interact with your parents. It's a strong word. In fact, God doesn't just use strong words to describe a child's interaction with their parents. He also uses strong phrases to describe the parents' interaction with their children. Did you notice them there? And he begins in verse 4 and he says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That word provoke is a strong word. It means to move to anger or overreaction. To cause someone to have an extreme response. See, God has charged you and I as parents to know the load limits of our children and to be careful not to cross them unless there is some extreme circumstances where we need to cross them. Proverbs 19.18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. It is so important that you and I as parents determine when we discipline our children and how far it goes. And if we use their tears or lack of tears as our starting and stopping point, we will never effectively discipline them. Because some kids cry easily and other kids don't cry at all. And we will either overdo or underdo discipline if we allow what they do to control what we do. It's not just provoke not your children to wrath is a strong phrase. Notice the other phrase that he uses there, and by the way, especially for fathers, both parents, but for fathers, because fathers more than anyone picture God, he says then, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in a balanced manner. Our children need both nurturing and admonition. To bring them up means to rear to maturity, to discipline, train, protect, raise them. To nurture speaks of tenderness and compassion and mercy and grace and patience and love. Admonition speaks of discipline and justice and holiness and righteousness. And if every child uh, doesn't get this balance of nurturing and admonition, they will always struggle to be in a balanced adult and have to balance themselves later. And as I said earlier, though this instruction implies to both parents these strong phrases, God focuses this instruction on fathers because every father here, whether our children are still in the home or not, have special responsibility to God. It is a terrible scourge on our culture that it is so common for fathers to abandon their responsibility to their own children. That's terrible. Terrible. Let me ask you as a parent, do not provoking them to wrath and bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Do they characterize your parenting style? If they don't, please repent and change directions while you have opportunity. One of the worst things to live with is regret. That's why we need to seize today. Find out what the Lord wants and do it. And so what I want to spend the balance of my time doing is just, uh, like last week, talk about some practical pointers to help children and parents fulfill these strong terms that describe our parent-child relationship. The first two, I'm just going to basically make statements because it's sort of what I said. Number one, children, obey your parents as long as you're in the home. 
I realize in our culture it is common for children to stay in their parents' home oftentimes till 22, 23, 25 years old. And by the way, I recommend that as long as your children are basically following the Lord and pursuing getting a skill or an education. I see no problem with it. I recommend it. But obey your parents while you're in the home. You cannot be right with God when you're not sincerely attempting to be right with your parents. Listen, any sensible Christian wants to be right with God. I mean, what sensible person wants to walk around and have their prayers hindered? Well, what sensible person wants to walk around looking over their shoulder, wondering what God might do next to get your attention? What a terrible way to live. And you don't have to live that way. Live a sincere Christian life and know that if you live a sincere Christian life and confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that His grace and mercy and patience and love covers the gap of our failures. Number two, children should honor your parents as long as you live, as they live. God chose them for you. So I don't like my mom. God picked her. I don't like my dad. God picked him. I don't know why. But there is something specific that God wanted you to pick up from them. Grasp it. By the way, you choose how you honor your parents because God isn't specific. More than anything, the word honor is not a deed, it's an attitude. Honoring is an attitude that produces deeds. Honoring means you choose how you handle your parents when they're elderly and they need your care. Listen, when you were little, your parents inconvenienced themselves and made decisions in your best interest that you didn't like, and they took care of you for years when you couldn't care for yourself. Oftentimes, the tables turn. Be sure you're making decisions in their best interest to honor them. Number three. Children should make sure they make their own marriage and their own children more important than your parents. I realize a lot of parents don't like that. The fact of the matter is, is a lot of parents, they never developed any healthy hobbies, any healthy ministries, any healthy relationships, and their entire life was poured into their children. And so when their children are gone, they're in trouble. And what ends up happening oftentimes is because they didn't build all these other healthy things, they continue to meddle in their adult children's life. Make sure you make your own marriage and your own children more important than the relationship with your parents. Don't let your parents manipulate you into prioritizing them above your own spouse and your own children. Hey, grandparenting is a special relationship. We had our two over the other day. Uh, Sharon wanted to spank him already. I said, no. They're just babies. Lighten up. Give your parents what is right, not what they want, when what they want will hurt your marriage or your home. Let me just be extra clear. There is time in every life for the Lord our spouse, our children, and our parents. 
And if you don't have time for your parents, then you are spending some time on something that you are not supposed to be spending time on. I get it. There is no relationship we ever spend as much time as we want to spend. That's life. But you have time for all the things that God put in our life to enrich our life. And one of them is a relationship with your parents. Lifelong. Number four. Children need to remember that your parents are not your enemies. (laughs) They love you and want something good for you. Uh, That is especially true when you're a teenager. Uh, I used to think my parents kind of were really out to get me. In reality, uh, I was just too dumb to realize they saw things that I didn't see. And when you think parents are your enemies, you're always going to make bad decisions in how you interact with them. Number five. By, by the way, it's all free advice. Uh, you, you, in the end, when we pass the plate, you don't give the money to me, you're giving it to the Lord. Now, if you want to give me money, Please give it to me, because if you give it to her, I'll never see it. Number five. Parents need to be careful what you ask for and expect from your children when they're in your home. Say, why? If they're in trouble with you and God for disobeying you, you need to be careful what you ask for. I want want to let that sink in. Because so many of the things we ask for, we ask for flippantly, we ask for in anger, and, and that is not good when it's trouble for them if they disobey. Some expect too little, others too much. You know, one of the best things we can ever do is simply remember what it was like to be their age. What were you like at 13? Five. <laughs> Twenty. You know, I don't, I, listen, I, man, I, I wouldn't have wanted to parent me. And then the Lord, my, I'm not exaggerating. When I was a kid, my mom probably a hundred times said this to me. I hope God gives you three someday just like you. A hundred times. And had three of them. They weren't all just like me, but they were all pains at times. I love them dearly. Hey, I prayed for strong-willed children. And by the way, I recommend you do too. Uh, Because if you're going to do anything in life for God, or you're going to do anything in life, period, you're going to have to have a strong will. Which means that you're going to be a pain to raise. (laughs) Uh, Number six. Parents need to balance the justice and character you must teach them with personal relationships. You know, one of the best things you ever do as a parent is not just be the disciplinarian, also be close. That takes time. I mean, there's lots of ways you can do it, but more than anything, and, and we were, when we were raising our children, we, we didn't really get to watch television. I mean, there was just too much going on. I, I miss having so much going on. I, I'm sick of watching a couple of hours of television. Although I do like uh, America's Got Talent, right? Sometimes. And I hate Project Runway. Ooh. What a passion. 
ungodly thing. But that's a problem in my home. I Pray for me. But your discipline and your character building will be much better received if you really have spent the time to be close. Number seven. Parents need to be consistent when you discipline your children. How? How much? What kind? You know the reason that people have the terrible twos? Because parents laugh sometimes when kids do something, and then the next time they turn around and discipline for it. Can can I make a suggestion to you? It ought to never be funny when your child says no to you. And you won't have any terrible twos. Work very hard at becoming a parent of action instead of a parent that just talks about what you're going to do. Number eight, parents need to deal with their children where they are instead of where they used to be or where you wish they were. When they're very young children, treat them like that. When they're younger teens, treat them like that, not like children or older teens. When they're older teens, treat them like that, not like a younger teen or as an independent adult. When they're young adults, treat them like that. You know, it's very, very hard as a parent because our kids go through these life transitions and very often we're stuck on where they were. Whereas what they need from us is us to deal with them where they are. Number nine. By the, by the way, I, I, I don't know what you think I think before I preach. I am always, and in particular in a message like this, I'm always thinking nobody wants to hear this and... Uh, but I believe we need this. Number nine, parents need to use your authority and influence over them the right way. By the way, you have authority and influence. It's from God. The only question is not do you have it. The only question is will you use it for something good or will you use it for something bad? You are influencing them. Children don't understand exceptions. Make very few of them. Keep as many things black and white while they're young. Uh, All that time will come later. Number ten. Parents need to be careful not to contradict or tear down the other parent in front of your children. In fact, I will just say this. I think it's very unwise to tear down any other uh, rightful authority. I'm talking police, pastors, teachers, leaders, principals, bosses, coaches, Uh, Those are all bad, but I would especially not tear down the other parent. And unfortunately, it happens regularly in some homes, and it happens oftentimes when a divorce has occurred, and that only makes a difficult situation even worse. Can I say something that will really take your faith to believe? If the other parent is really that bad, your children will eventually recognize that themselves. And if you, because of what you see that they do not yet understand, if you try to destroy that person and cause them to see everything that you know, what you might do is you might destroy that parent at a time when that child's not ready to deal with it. God will take care of it. And if they're really that bad, they will see it. Number 11, parents need to be the adult in the home. (laughs) 
I can't tell you, well, I was 20, over 20 years as a youth leader, I can't tell you about how many conflicts in the home that I was dealing with where everybody in the home was acting like a child. And it's not any different now as a pastor. I'm going to tell you what, parents, we need to be the adult. You need to be the parent. You know, I know your heart's desire is you want to be their friend, and and there's nothing wrong with that in the right context, but when you want to be their friend more than you want to be their parent, they're not going to have the parent there they need sometimes. The time will come to be their friend, but it's not when they're in your house and you're raising them. Be their parent. Other parents try to relive their athletic career, their academic failures, and their social failures through their children. Uh, Listen, I had an athletic career that could stand to be relived. In fact, to be honest with you, a lot of my social life could have been better too. Even when I had hair. But it's not my job as a parent to relive my life through my child. It is my job as a parent to recognize the life God gave them and to point them to that. We never pointed our children to be in the ministry. Now, in our case, God had one of our children directly do that. We never pointed them to that. I didn't want my children to be in my footsteps. I wanted them to be in God's footsteps for them, whatever that was. And I suggest you do the same. God's life for them is much better than the life we think for them. Number 12. So you've got a lot of points tonight. Well, yeah, but I've still got three minutes. Number 12. Parents need to let your children have more and more input on decisions and conflict resolution as they get older. Can I share with you one of the worst parenting techniques you'll ever have? Let your children make no decisions for themselves. Let them not be involved in any conflict or whatever happens and then expect them when they leave your house to be able to handle themselves. Listen, someday when they get married, they're going to have conflict. It's inevitable. And they're either going to handle it well or they're going to handle it poorly and you're going to either prepare them for that or you're going to cause them to go through a long learning curve in their marriage. And so when you have disagreements with them, talk to them. Work with them. Help them learn how to resolve things. That's a part of a healthy adult life. In the end, you're the parent. Make the decision. But having them involved helps them. And lastly, number 13. Parents need to let their children leave home and make their own marriage the most important relationship in life. Can I give you some advice that I try to follow? Whether I'm good at it or not, I I don't know. Do everything you can to build a healthy relationship with their spouse. I mean, one of my prayers is I'd be a good father-in-law. It doesn't help the marriage of my children for me to fight against their spouse. I, I want to be close to them. I I want you to think then, why are you fighting for the heart of your grown child with their spouse? Nothing good comes out of that. 
You're either going to force your child to sever their relationship with you, or you're going to hurt the most important relationship they have in life outside of their relationship with God. I'm biased, but I love my daughters-in-law. They had bad taste in men when they were younger, but so did my wife. Strong words. Obey. Honor. Provoke not. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Love. Chasten. Grievous. Those are strong words. To reflect an incredible relationship that God gave us. Amen? If you'd quietly stand, bow your heads and